Hey, thanks for listening to the Reclaim Podcast. You can go ahead and find our church on Facebook and Instagram at ReclaimTX. We hope you enjoy the message. All right, so um, I, I want, what I want to talk to you about today, the title of the message is Patterns of Faith. And I really want to kind of get to the basic of what we believe and as a Christian, not necessarily just what we believe at Reclaim Church, but what we believe as followers of Christ, what it means to be a Christian. And I know some of us, is kind of, for us, it could be like, well, that's pretty elementary. Like, I'm, I've been a Christian for a while now, and so I kind of know that. I don't want you to check out just because that's the thing, because all of us have to evaluate or reevaluate our own lives. Every single one of us has to come to a place where we ask ourselves, am I really doing the things that I'm supposed to be doing? Um, I was sharing this with a couple of the guys earlier today is, is I got a gym pass, okay? Now listen, I'm not a gym guy. Um, the unfortunate thing about having a gym pass is I can't make jokes about not going to the gym anymore because now I have to go because I'm spending money on it. So I got a gym pass. I'm not a gym guy. But what I realized, you know, trying to become a little more healthy is, is I realized how much change needs to take place within my body, right? Or, or how much work I need to do. I, I, I feel very young up until I get on the basketball court with much younger people. And then I immediately feel much older than I am. And so I realized that I have to, there's things that, that I have to look on the inside and say, okay, I, I got I to gotta work a little bit harder. I got to eat a little bit better. Although I don't want to eat better. I like eating the double-double from In-N-Out. And I know that you guys like whatever is at Whataburger. I feel like every Sunday I have to talk about this. Um, by the way, we're, we're debating for Father's Day whether to get an In-N-Out gift card for the fathers or for our raffle or a Whataburger gift card. Um, so I already know what everybody wants, and so we'll probably get the Whataburger one. Um, <laughs> but anyway, I, I, I don't really want to change my habits, but I understand that in order to get better or to walk in a new lifestyle, there are habits that I have to change within myself. And, and there's, there, it's important that we e- evaluate these areas of our life, maybe not just our health or maybe not just the physical things, but we have to evaluate our emotions. We have to evaluate our, our, our habits. We have to evaluate the, our, our, our priorities, right? There, we all have to come to this place of evaluation within ourselves, especially when it comes to our faith, especially when it comes to what we believe. How, how do we live? How do we act and, and who are we living with and who are we walking with this journey of faith, this journey of following Christ? David, David, David in the book of Psalms, David is talking to God and he tells him this um, in Psalms 139, 23 and 24. That's the New Living Translation, Isaiah, if you want to throw it up there real quick. He says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious, my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you. And lead me along the past of or the path of everlasting life. David is having this conversation with God. He's saying, I want you to tell me the things that I do that are that are offensive to you, or the things that I do that are wrong, or the things that I do that, that may that may lead me down a path that I don't want to go. See, some of us we have to come to this place with God where we allow Him to tell us what's in our life that is not supposed to be there. We have to reevaluate our faith. See, we cannot e- avoid evaluations. We cannot avoid God speaking into us. We cannot just hide away because it's healthy to look inside of our heart. The, the, the easy thing to do when there's a mistake or when, there, when, there's, when there's bad habits, when there's ugly emotions, when there's bitterness, anger, all the, the easy thing to do is what? To hide it and put it away, right? And hopefully nobody finds it. 
But the right thing to do and the healthy thing to do as a follower of Christ is to say, God, evaluate me. Show me the things that are in my life that are not right. But the question is, where do we start with this evaluation? How do I, how do I begin that? Well, the first thing that we have to do is we have to look at the patterns of which we follow in life. The patterns we look at, the guides in life that we follow. In the book of 2 Timothy, and we're going to be really, we're going to be sticking, sticking, sticking to 2 Timothy probably for the next couple of weeks. And Paul gives this advice to Timothy. Timothy is a disciple of Paul. He's this young guy that is now leading a church. And, and Paul is basically giving him instruction, one, how to be a good leader and how to handle the church, but also how to handle him his own life. He's giving Timothy this instruction of like, okay, if you want to keep going, if you want to continue even when it's hard, even when we struggle, because I don't know about how you feel when you go through hard times, but the first thing to go when we have hard times is usually our faith. When things don't look right, we usually say, well, God must not be with me. Or God must not exist. If I feel this way, or if I'm angry like this, or if my family looks the way that it's not supposed to, God must not be here. But, but the first thing that we have to understand is, is we have to follow the right patterns in our life. We have to follow good patterns. So Paul tells Timothy this. He says, follow the pattern of the sound words that you have heard from me in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. By the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, guard the good deposit entrusted to you. What is he saying? He's saying, look, you have to hold on and follow the teachings that I have been teaching you from the very beginning of your discipleship, or from, the, from the very beginning of your conversion to follow Christ. It's important for us to follow sound teaching. It's important that we understand what the Word of God says. The Word of God does not change. It does not follow culture. It does not follow society. It does not change with time. It doesn't change with what's popular and what's not popular. The Word of God remains the same. The Word of God is its an everlasting Word. It's, it's a living Word. This is the Word of God that we trust in. The Word of God is not outdated. It's not old-fashioned. It is brand new every single day. There's something that you can find in the Word of God that will be relevant to your situations today. It's important that we follow this sound, this sound teaching. As a pastor, I do my very best to bring sound teaching, right? I'm not going to preach on the flat earth, right? <laughs> That's not sound teaching. I'm not going to teach on opinions that are popular in society or culturally. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to present the Word of God. I'm going to present this, this, this pattern that, that Paul lays out for Timothy because really what the Word of God is, it is a light to our path. It is, it is the very thing that we should follow. When Psalms 119.105 says, your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. So the question that we have to ask ourselves in the evaluation of our own heart is what patterns do I follow? What do I use as a guide for my life? Is it, is it my own desires that are my guide? Do I just go wherever I feel I should go? Do I just say whatever I feel I should say? Do I just do the things that I feel I should do? Is, is, it, is it the pattern of the world? Do I follow the pattern of what everybody else in society says is right and what everybody else in the culture says I'm supposed to do? Is that the pattern that I follow or do I, do I follow the pattern of sound teaching? Do I follow the pattern of the word of God because the pattern that you follow determines the place you end up. The pattern that you follow determines your destination. 
Worldly patterns lead to destruction. But a pattern of faith in Christ Jesus leads to durability. When we follow the ways of the world, we will always fall for whatever the world falls for. When we follow the ways of the world, we'll always fall for whatever comes against us. Any struggles that happen to us will end up falling. But when we follow the pattern of Christ, we're able to stand up against things. We, are, we become durable believers. In Matthew chapter 7, verse 24 through 27, Jesus says this. He says, anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise, like a person who builds a house on a solid rock. Though the rain comes in, in torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against that house, it won't collapse because it is built on bedrock. But anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is foolish, like a person who builds a house on sand when the rain comes and when the rains and floods come and the winds beat against the house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. If we want to be durable Christians, if we want to be Christians who, who, don't, who don't fall for every single thing or who don't, who don't crumble over every single pressure, we have to be Christians who follow sound teaching. We decide the path that we take. We decide what path to follow. We decide what patterns to follow. We decide where to put our faith. Because we can't say that we don't have faith because really if you look, way, like it's like, okay, well, I don't believe in God. Well, then what do you believe in? If God is not the standard of life, if God is not the guide that we should follow, then what is? And then how do you find the durability or how do you find the foundation for the faith that you do have in whatever it may be? The truth is this, you decide where to put your faith. You decide. You decide if you want to put it in God. You decide if you don't, but regardless of what you put it in, you absolutely have faith. Because faith, there's no way that we can believe in, in nothing, because even that requires faith. Everything that we, put our, we decide to follow requires a sense of belief, requires a sense of trust. So you decide where you put your faith and see, but I put my faith in the word of God. I put my faith in Jesus. I put my faith in and what I've, what I've believed for years, not just because it's culturally acceptable, because honestly, it's not. Not because it's culturally popular, because honestly, it's not. Not because of my family, because honestly, my family's not even that great. I mean, I do have good, a good family, and I'm going to bash them, but that's not where I put my faith. It's in Christ. This is what John 20, verse 30 and 31 says. It says, the disciples saw Jesus do many other miraculous signs in addition to the ones recorded in this book. Not this book, this iPad, but the Bible. But these are, these are written so that you may continue to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and by believing in him, you will, you will have life by the power of his name. We have scripture, we have the Bible, so that we have a place to put our faith. It's saying that this word that we have is there so that we can look to it and believe what it says about Jesus. But you have the choice to believe or not. You have the choice. And, and to be honest with you, if you came to me and said, hey, I don't really believe, but I really like coming to the church, that's fine. Keep coming. Have the donuts. Have the coffee. We love you. But ultimately, you decide where you put your faith. You decide what, what you believe. I believe I believe, I believe in Jesus. This is what Paul says to Timothy, continuing that scripture. He says, 
this, this is a different version of the, of the Bible, but it says, 2 Timothy 2.8 says, fix this picture firmly in your mind that Jesus descended from the line of David, raised from the dead. It's what you've heard all along. What is he saying? He's saying, look, when you go through things in life, when, you, when you're having struggles, when you're having troubles, when you're having issues, what you have to do, what you have to do is fix your mind on Jesus. Not just on Jesus, that the, the common saying of, oh, Jesus this, Jesus that, but, but the reality that Jesus actually came and he died and he rose again. Everything is based on this resurrection that we believe in. Now, we don't really hear it preached on often. A, a lot of times we hear a lot of feel-good sermons. A lot of times we feel like, we hear like, oh, you're good enough. You can do it all by yourself. Dream big. And those things are not wrong necessarily. But what we're missing sometimes is the actual gospel that we believe in, that Jesus was alive, that he died, and that he rose again. In Hebrews 1, verse 1 through 3 says, Long ago, God spoke many times and in many ways, to our ancestors through the prophets. And now in these final days, he has spoken to us through his son. God promised everything to, to the son as an inheritance, and through the son he created the universe. The son radiates God's own glory and expresses the very character of God, and he sustains everything by the power of his command. When he had cleansed us from our sins, he sat down in the place of honor at the right hand of the majestic God in heaven. See, when we look to Jesus, we see God. When we look at scripture and everything it says about Jesus, it says it about God. If Jesus loves a sinner, then God loves a sinner. If Jesus loves you, then God loves you. If Jesus died for you and will, was willing to sacrifice himself for you, then God was willing to die for you and willing to sacrifice himself for you. See, Jesus reveals to us who God is. I believe, we believe as Christians that Jesus walked the earth. Now, I know it's, it's, it's so old and it's like, well, it's such a long, but no, there are so many facts and history that, that, that support the faith that we have in Christ. That Jesus was alive. Jesus was a man. Jesus walked the earth. Jesus performed miracles. Jesus said these crazy things about himself. Jesus did all of this. This is history. Jesus died. He was crucified. Jesus had witnesses of seeing him alive three days later. This is all history. This is what we believe. We believe that he died and he rose again for me. This is the gospel. The gospel is Jesus died for me and now he lives in me. I believe that he took my punishment. This is the very, this is the truth is that every one of us are sinners and it's like, man, can you preach on something a little bit nicer? Like, this isn't very nice. And trust me, I'm good. it's encouraging because of what happened. Like, I'm a bad, like, without Christ, I'm a bad person. I deserve my punishment. Now, nobody likes to talk about hell, right? Like, hell's like, well, let's, let's just stay away from that. Let's talk about the positive things, right? Positive vibes only. I don't know. Um, I, oh, okay, I, I can't. I'll get into a rant about that term, but I'm not going to. <laughs> But we deserve hell. And what is hell? Well, it's like, well, why would God send somebody, if he really loved people, why would he send them to hell and burn in torment forever? That's not the point. The point is this, is hell is not just hell. Hell is hell because you're separated from God. And separation from God is our own choice. But Jesus came down 
and he took that punishment for me. He paid my debt of sin. The Bible says that, that the wages of sin is death. That means that every sin that we, that, we, that we do, it's basically like we're working to die, that we're working to go to hell, that we're working to receive punishment. But Jesus took on that punishment for us. This is what we believe. I believe that we, when we come to Christ, when we believe in him, that we're forgiven, that we're new people, that we're no longer bound to our past. We're no longer identified by our past issues, but now we're brand new people in Christ. This is what we believe. We believe that the Holy Spirit dwells in me and empowers me to live right, empowers me to, to stay clear of temptation and to stay clear of things that are, that are wrong and that are, that, are, that are hurtful for me. This is what we believe. I believe that we have a place in heaven that Jesus left after he left the earth. He says this in John 14, 1 through 3. He says, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. There is more than enough room in my father's home. If it were not so, would I, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? When everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. This is the heart of God. This is the heart of the gospel. It's not just about hell and heaven. It's about relationship with God. This is what we believe. This is what the word of God tells us. It's not just about church. It's not just about earth. It's not just about getting the good job or making the right money or, 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 or having the right hobbies or the right activities. It's not about that. It's about us being prepared for heaven. Jesus came down to earth and he confirmed it to us that he's preparing a place for us. Earth is, this is not it, guys. This is not all that we have. This is not forever. We're going to eventually die, right? Like, I don't want to believe that. We, for some reason, we're all talking about age today. <laughs> like, I don't know why, but we're all talking about it. it it's the end times. God's coming back. That's it. I'm, I'm just glad they chose to cut the grass at 11. I thought that was <laughs> like right when the service started. Like, what time do you guys start? All right. But eventually, we're going to die. Like, I know that's like, man, this is a really sad sermon. I'm not trying to be sad. Like, this is not sad. This is just reality, right? It, this is the truth. But Jesus came and he's like, look, you don't have to be afraid of death. You don't have to be afraid of dying. You don't have to be afraid of that. Because I'm preparing something better for you. I'm preparing a place in heaven for you. I'm preparing a spot with God. Because when we get saved, all the sin that we've collected over all of the years was wiped clean. Brand new. When we accept Jesus in faith, we're brand new individuals. The punishment that we've collected is no longer our punishment because Jesus took it for us. And we become children of God. We become a son and a daughter of God. I don't know how you handled your kids, but my kids have a place in my house. They might be bad sometimes, and sometimes I want to send them to the neighbor's house, to be honest with you. But my kids have a place in my home. My kids are free to go anywhere they want in the house. They can grab all the snacks they want. That doesn't mean they're going to get them all, but they can grab them. Sure, why not? Because the way I treat my children, my children have access to my stuff. My children have access to my home. My children have access. To, so when people, when people give my son money for his birthday, I'm like, oh, taxed. 90% tax to the house. 
But he has access. See, when we become children of God, we have access to the Father. We have access to heaven. We have access to the Holy Spirit. We have access. So when we die, when we leave the earth, because this is not it, we have a place to go. This is what we believe. And this is the truth is that for some of us, we're hearing, you're hearing what I'm saying. And you're like, I don't know if I believe that. I don't really know if that makes sense to me. But you have the choice. You can believe it or not. It's not my job to convince you or it's not my job to make you believe. It's my job to lay out the truth and you decide. Am I still going to love you if you don't? Absolutely. Am I still going to care about you if you don't? Absolutely. Am I still going to give you donuts at the church? Absolutely. But you can't have another mug if you already had one because that costs money. That costs a lot more money. But you decide. But this is, this is my frustration. Can I, can I just be honest with you? Can I tell you my frustration? My frustration with those who say that they believe is the ones who say, I believe, but their actions don't dictate that statement. That to me is frustrating. And if, and if there was ever a turnoff of Christianity or the church, it's that. It's people saying, I believe one thing, but they live another thing. Paul says this to Timothy. He says, do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of God. See, he's saying you have to do your best to be approved to God. Now, now you're like, oh, wait a minute, hold on. You just said that God loved me as I was. You just said that I have access. Absolutely you do. But because of your confession of faith, we are accountable to how we act. If I say something, if I say I believe in Jesus, then I should live out that belief. James 2, 14 and 18 says, what good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is, poor, is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and filled, without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. I can't just say I believe. I have to live what I believe. I choose how I act every day. I decide if I live a life that's pleasing to God or not. I decide if I live out the confession that I say every day. Because I have the truth. I have the word of God. I have a pattern to follow. I have the guide to life. So I have everything that I need. I'm accountable to how I respond to that truth every single day. And I have to live with the results of my life. See, this is the crazy thing is we'll do everything contrary to God's word. And then when God doesn't give us what we want, we blame him. Right? Like, wait a minute. God, I, I got this job and I, and I got the money that I needed. And he's like, well, you didn't give. You did, I can't bless, I can't bless what's not in my will. God does not bless rebellion, he blesses obedience. And it's not because he doesn't want to bless you, it's because he cannot. It's not in his nature to bless rebellion. It's in his nature to bless those who are obedient. So I have to understand that if I believe in Jesus, if I believe all these things that were said, then my life should reflect that belief. 
then the, thing, the way that I live should reflect that. How I act in public. How I act in public, I'm accountable to that. Philippians 1.27 says, only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. I'm going to stop reading right there. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. Can I ask you a question? Do people know that you're a Christian? Do your coworkers, your family, your neighbors, your friends, your, your, your acquaintances, your enemies, your haters. I hate, hate the word haters. I, your haters. <laughs> Do they know you're a Christian? Do they know what you believe? Because if you really believed it, if you really, if we really believed in Scripture, if we really believed in the Bible, why would we not tell somebody that they can be forgiven? Why would we not want to share our faith and tell them, you can be new, you can know God, you have purpose, you have identity in Christ, you're a son or a daughter. Do, do people know? That's why we have baptism. So a baptism plug. If you want to sign up for baptism, tell the whole world, I'm a Christian. That's like the statement of faith, like, I'm baptized, I'm in it. This is it. So if you want to be baptized, sign up after service. <laughs> do, do you let your light shine in the way that you speak? The way that you talk to or about other people? Does it, does it show, does your faith show in the way that you treat your boss or the way that you treat authority or the way that you handle politics or the way that you handle uh, social issues? Does your faith show in those things? Listen, I'm not political and I'm not going to get political, but I'm also not going to be afraid to say things. People hate our president. And I'm, I'm amazed when I see Christians hate him. Because we're not called to hate anybody. We're called to support authority. I know that's not popular. And that's like, okay, well, now I've got to re reconsider the church I'm attending. <laughs> no. That's what's so crazy about the world that we live in today, if you believe what the Bible says, if you believe what scripture says, then your faith and the way that you act, the way that you talk, the way that you live will support that belief. I don't agree with everybody, but I love people. I may not like where they stand. I may not like their opinions. I may not like the way they talk to other individuals. I may not like the way they treat other individuals. But I know as a Christian, I am called to love. I am called to be submissive to authority. I'm not going to argue with a cop just because I think that I'm right. Because my belief tells me I submit to authority. Does that, does that make sense? Do you let your light shine in the way that you talk? Do you let your light shine in the way that you live? Do you let your light shine in the way that you present yourself to other people? Because if we really believe this, then it will show in the way that we act. It will show in the way that we live. See, these things have to be in alignment with God. They have to be in alignment with God's will. We may not like it. We may not agree with it. But if we trust God, we'll, we'll be obedient. My son doesn't like that he has to brush his teeth every night. And honestly, I don't really like it either. But I know better than he does. He doesn't like the fact that he can't have ice cream in bed at midnight. He doesn't like that. I, I'm not going to let him run down the street, right? He doesn't like, he, especially my daughter. My daughter wants to just, psh, like, book it, right? 
every chance, every chance she gets. They don't like that I make them hold my hand in the parking lot. You guys know what that's like, right? Like they're pulling the hand down, like, like just hold my, make me look like a bad parent. Like, hold my hand. They don't like that. But I know better. When it comes to the things of God, we might not like everything that God tells us to do. We might not like that with the fact that we have to submit to authority. We may not, we may not like that. But if we trust him, if we trust his word and the pattern of his word, I'm going to be obedient. Do you know how many times I've told God, God, I do not like that. I don't want to do that. I don't want to apologize to my wife. Come on. I was right. No, I trust him. I understand that he's smarter than I am. So I'm obedient. But so how I live in public and how I act, how do you act alone? When you're by yourself, is your faith shown? Do you please God even when you're by yourself? Do you have integrity even when you're all alone? I feel like that's really what it comes down to when it comes to trusting God. You can act good in front of everybody, but when you're by yourself, does your faith shine? Does your faith come over you when you're tempted alone? When you're tempted to go back to old habits? Or when you're tempted to call old relationships? Does your faith shine? I'm on my last point here, and I'm trying to be fast. I was told... Earlier today, I preached long. <laughs> just kidding. I'm just kidding. It was, it was a compliment, and I, I, was, I appreciate that. But could, if I can get my wife over here to play piano, I need her. I need her help. Listen, I'm not trying to discourage anybody today. I, I really hope that this is, like, something that we could But I, I, I really thought about it. I'm like, I feel like we need to come to a place where it's, like, a little bit of, you know, filing is not always bad. A little bit, you know, we got to, it's okay. It's okay to, to, to get these kind of messages every now and then. Next week, I'm going to preach on how just great everybody is. I mean, <laughs> no, this is a good thing. The, th the truth is this, is that God, God, God is an authority in our life to make us better. He doesn't bring authority and, and structure to our life to make it boring or to make us feel bad about ourselves. That's never why God does it. God does it in a sense to say, hey, listen, you can be better. You can be a better man. You can be a better woman. You could be a better father. You could be a better husband. You could be a better wife. You could be a better mother, a better sister. You can be a better believer. Because when it comes down to it, guys, we are, the Bible says that the hope, the, the, the hope is in us. That Christ dwells in you. And if you're the hope, you're the hope to the world. The hope is in you. We have to come to this place where these decisions that we make daily they have to align with God's word. So lastly, it's, it's, if, if you're writing notes or if you're kind of thinking about the structure of the message, it's, it's what I believe, how, how, I, how I act out my belief. And my last point is, is who I act it with or who I live, who I believe with. I believe this, that, oh, in 2 Timothy 2 verse 22 says, run away from infantile indulgence. Run after mature righteousness, faith, love, peace, joining those who are in honest and serious prayer before God. See, as believers, we need to surround ourselves with like-minded people. Now, I'm not saying put yourself in a bubble and surround yourself with only Christians and don't ever talk to anybody who's not a Christian. Because if you did that, then we're failing at our job. <laughs> that is not what we're called to do. We're called to be a light to the world. And I understand we have to have, we have, you need to have friends that don't know Christ. 
Because if you don't have any friends that don't know Christ, who are you telling about? Those are important. You have to be with your family. But at the same time, you also have to surround yourself with people who support your faith. Surround yourself with like-minded individuals who will be a support system in your walk with the Lord. I can tell you this very confidently that if I didn't have friends who I can confide in, who, who I can trust, or who I can open up with about my belief and my doubts and my sin and my habits, all these struggles, if I didn't have a friend, I wouldn't be here today. Ephesians 2.19 says, so now you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners, you are citizens along with all of God's holy people, you are members of God's family. Here at Re Reclaimed Church, this is home. This is family. You have a godly family right here. But this is the thing is that you have to reach out to people. You have to be the one to reach out. Encourage one another. Don't be emo, right? Like, you know those guys that come to church and they're just like, I, I got to show you. I know I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to spend extra time on this illustration just because I think, it's, I think it's necessary. The guys that come into church, right? Head down, and nobody does that here, so don't, don't get offended, all right? Head down, gets to church, sits like this, and just kind of, you know, church is over, they go, they walk out the door, they leave, and then they say, man, nobody talked to me at the church. I don't have any relationships. Nobody loves me at the church, right? Well, it's like, dude, nobody saw you. <laughs> like, you came, you sat, you left. Relationship is a two-way street. You can't expect everybody to constantly be pouring into you because that, that makes us leeches, right? That makes us like the life sucker. You, it has to be, I'm going to mess up this word, reciprocal, where people are pouring into you, you're pouring into others. People are encouraging you, you're encouraging others. That's what the family of God is supposed to be. It's supposed to be this, this cycle of encouragement, this cycle of support, this cycle of, 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 of supporting each other through the, through the hard times and mourning with each other and crying with each other and, and hurting with each other. But it's also a cycle of celebrating with each other and, and, and being happy that so-and-so that got a new car or a better job or, or their life is doing much better and, and not being jealous of them but being happy for them. We, we have to surround ourselves with like-minded individuals. We have to find interest in each other. I like what it says in, in Galatians 6, 1 through 3. It says, dear brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome by some sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path. Before I move on with that scripture, listen, if somebody falls into sin, don't just say, oh, I told you so. If somebody stops coming to the church for a while, don't say when they show up, say, oh, all of a sudden so-and-so's back. No. Encourage them. Love them. Help them. But then it goes on to say, it says, <clears throat> and be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. Share each other's burdens. And in this way, obey the law of Christ. If you think you are too important to help someone, you are only fooling yourself. You are not that important. I, that's the Bible, okay? That's not. Philippians 2.4 says, don't look, don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. It's, this is the maturity in the body of Christ. 
is to find interest in each other. Hey, what do you like to do? How can I help you with that? What are your goals in life? How can I help you with that? What are your passions? What are your dreams? What are your desires? How can I help you with that? We have to reach out, but also, and this is my last point, is we have to let others in. Now that is not easy. That is not easy. And I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna speak on it as if it's like, oh, come on, just do it, all right? Just open up your heart, hey. It's not a Disney movie. That was like a joke from, from You have to let others in. It's, it's easy to be the one to say, hey, how are you doing? It's difficult to be the one to say, hey, I really need some help. It's hard to be the one to say, hey, I'm having some doubts. It's hard to be the one to say, hey, I'm struggling. I'm, 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 I'm living in sin. I'm, I'm living a life that's not right with God. I need help. It's hard to be that person. But listen, listen, let me tell you this. Please and hear me. I'm being completely honest with you. You do not have to hide your sin here. Now, I'm not saying that, oh, you come and you can sin all you want in our church. Like, it's free, free for all. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is you can be open about who you are and what you struggle with so that we can help you. So that the church can help you. But one of the greatest lies of the enemy is to, is to convince us that we need to hide our sin to be accepted. As, as a church, we, we want to encourage you to let others in. Don't let your past experience of church or of Christians or of leadership or of pastors, don't let your past experience cause you to miss out on a new experience. To say, oh man, I can trust again because opening up requires trust and trust requires vulnerability. When, it, when, we, when we're vulnerable, we have to learn to forgive easily. We have to learn to let go easily. We have to learn to allow others to challenge us and the way that we believe and the life that we live. You cannot serve God by yourself. There's a reason that, that Jesus is like, hey, you got to start this church. you got to start it. you gotta, you got to get it going. The, the gates of hell, are they're not going to prevail against the church. Because the church is is a community of people that are like-minded, that support one another, that love one another, that treat each other right, that believe in the same thing, that have surrendered to Christ. That's the church who accept, who encourage, who mourn together, they cry together, they celebrate together, they encourage together. This is the community that we're building here. And you know what the greatest sign of your belief is how you love each other. Jesus said, this, this, is gonna, this is a sign that's going to show the whole world that you're a follower, is how you love one another. You can, you can be the best preacher. You can be the guy who shows up early to church. I mean, if anybody wants to be that guy, that, that position is open, <laughs> right? You can be the guy who shows up early. You can be the guy who sits up all the chairs. You can be the guy who, who cleans everything. You can do every single thing, but if you don't love, it's all in vain. That is the sign of a believer, is that we love each other. So I want to challenge your thinking this morning. I want to challenge your heart. Do you really believe? Or do you really believe that Jesus died for you and saved you and, and forgave you of your sins? And, and if you say yes, does your lifestyle represent that belief? And also, do you love people according to that? Thank you again for listening to the Reclaim Church podcast. 
For more information on our church, you can visit our website, reclaimchurchtx.com.